Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Show. It was an interesting weekend at the top of the early FNB Prio League table. A roundup of the latest local action to come. Uh, we'll also hear about why our referees will be going from Guernsey Green to Mint Green later this month, all in the name of charity. I'm Tony Kerr. Alongside me, as ever, is Rob Batiste. Hello, Tony. Great to see you, Rob. Um, let's start with the Green Lions, though. After all that waiting, um, their big return to league action uh, was scuppered by the weather this weekend. Saturday's game at Sutton Common Rovers called off early because of the forecast rain. Um, hugely frustrating, I'm sure, for them in the end. Uh, but on the plus side, Rob, they've got a week extra to prepare now and they'll make their return in front of the home fans. Yeah, um, Futsal Lane should be rocking on Saturday afternoon. Um, I can imagine it will be a full house. The stand should be full. Um, um, it'd be interesting to see what sort of level of opposition Sutton Common Rovers are this season. That's the first of our you know, new set of opponents. Um, and I see that another um, Isthmian South Central side, Chertsey Town, um, did for Jersey at the weekend in the FA Cup qualifying round. They became the first team to win at Springfield since Jersey joined the you know the leagues, etc. And also the first time, first team to deny Jersey Bulls a goal in front of a record attest- attendance at the um, Jersey HQ. Um, it sounds like Chertsey a pretty handy side and. Um, you know, um, the jury's out, still out, of course, about what sort of st- levels of um, f- teams we are going to come across this year. Will they be better than what we had previously or will they be inferior? We shall see soon enough. Yeah, it's interesting that everyone's kind of trying to read into uh, the, yeah, the relative results of a Jersey Bulls, as you say, taking on a team in Guernsey's league. And I saw a couple of people commenting that they're, you know, Chertsey, probably the best side that, uh, and the most organised side that Jersey have come up against so far um, well they, they won the FA Vars a couple of years ago um, and obviously really the season in the league they are, are lying six in our division but they've got several games in hand on the leaders Oxbridge so and they're unbeaten so they're um, obviously quite a useful team yeah it could be one to watch out for November, later in the season November the 27th I, they're coming to Foots Lane so that'll be um, one to put in your diaries well, we'll see if they're still in the FA Cup by then um, well GFC's loss of course did mean the Prios gain this weekend a number of the players who would have been travelling to the UK uh, returning to their club sides and as I mentioned at the top some interesting results and performances for sure um, where should we start should we start at KG5 Rovers beating Manza on their debut down there very wet uh, afternoon uh, for sure um, and some some cracking goals again it sure was wet I can assure you I was thankful for the old cricket pavilion to keep uh, keep myself dry or relatively dry it was absolutely teeming down and it was good to see that the pitch actually withheld all that rain um, it was a good game a good game between two very evenly matched sides Rovers um, coach Kevin Gillies um declined to recall his um, Green Lions players for this one-off occasion. He's decided, basically, he's going to stick with the group who's going to be obviously have to serve him um, well throughout the rest of the season. I can understand that. Um, Manza, who are in a slightly different predicament, they haven't quite got so many players, obviously, um, chose to use three of theirs. And one of, the, one of those uh, Green Lions, Tom Martin, scored an absolute snorter of an equaliser, smashing the ball in from about 25 yards, cannoned off the cross, underside the crossbar before the Rovers goalkeeper could move. You could have had three goalkeepers in, to be honest, and they, neither of them would have probably saved it. Um, 
Was it better than Tyler McCain's opener? Mm, possibly. It's difficult. But Tyler, that was a great goal himself. It's good to see t- young Tyler back in local football, having had a pretty nasty knee injury a year or so ago. He's, I, I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying I think he's still got a bit of way to go to what he was before the injury. Um, but um, I don't think it'll take him too long to be up and, you know, up to full speed. He was a, a good wing-back, Tyler, with an excellent record in the youth, le- youth, you know, youth level with Guernsey under-21s. And it'd be good to see him challenging for a representative honours in the future. And a bit of encouragement for Rovers then. Um... They are still in the thick of the title race, only three points behind the leaders' bells with the game in hand, you know, and they'll be... They would be cheered the fact that Saints dropped points as well on Saturday. That wasn't that wasn't expected at all. Um, to be honest, the highlight for me for the weekend uh, for that sorry for that particular game was not so much the two goals, which were outstanding goals, was but it was a performance and appearance of um, Piers Ockerford in the Manza midfield. Great player, Piers, um, and I think it's fair to say that he's one of those sort of local sportsmen we haven't seen the best of um, over the years. You know, he um, has not played an awful lot in recent years, but he basically gave a reminder of of the quality he does offer um, to any local team. Really silky midfielder who can obviously put his foot on the ball and actually had to put his foot in in tackles as well. It was great to see him play and um, I think Manza have got a good signing there. So f- good to see you, Piers. Yeah, as you mentioned, Saints, uh, the champions held to a goal of straw at Velrec, so a good result for the wreck there. And on Friday night, uh, plenty of goals at Northfield. Um, North beating Bells, of course, the early leaders, 4-1. Uh, and uh, a few youngsters on the score sheet too. Yeah, I mean, it was a really, really impressive performance by North. Um, I think I tweeted the next day, I think it was the best performance I've seen from North first team for a long, long time. And I'm talking about two or three seasons. They really were impressive against the Bells team, which were, you know, more or less close to full strength, um, well set up, well organised. Um, but North, in the end, blew them away, really. I mean, with this mixture of youth and experience. Um, and having seen North be so sluggish the previous week in losing at home to Rovers, you wouldn't believe it's the same two teams. But they, you know, they really were a very tight unit, apps really working for each other. It was great to see. Um, heart of it was really, I think, you know, the, um, the midfield unit. Scott Buggle was captain and playing quite deep. And then he had... Um, Luke Mollett and Kez Mann either side of him and but I say the three of them worked really really well and then the two youngsters up front Ben AC and Keen Domal looked the business alongside Sam Murray but the other player that really impressed me um, and I've seen him a few times now uh, was young George McNeela 17 last season he played a couple of games in the North Prairie side when he was 16 in midfield this occasion he stood in for River Marsh at centre half at 17 he's not the tallest of centre backs but he is very tough and very good thoughtful footballer positions himself well good tackler and um, he was playing alongside the young Tom Vodin who I gather is 21 this week and good happy birthday to Tom this week he was he's another one who's coming on a lot um, and um, improving all the time and at left back, I don't want to miss out on Ryan Lamb. Ryan Lamb, a few years ago, we a few of us raised our eyebrows when Steve Sharman gave him a call up to his Ireland squad. Um, he's never, he's one of those players. He's getting on towards his latter twenties now. He's 
he's not fulfilled the promise he, he, he showed as a youngster. But this season, and particularly on Friday, he showed that he's got a lot of ability. And um, it's good to see that he's actually really um, coming through um, as a good, strong player again. For some good deliveries from left back. And um, he's very obviously very committed to the North course. Um, it's good to see Ryan playing so well. Yeah, good stuff. Um, elsewhere, of course, uh, Sylvans and Alderney was postponed because uh, of that forecast wind, uh, which did blow through. It's fair to say it def- definitely did arrive. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, the early table was looking quite intriguing, really. Bell's uh, still top on 12 points. St. Martin's with a game in hand back on 10 points. Uh, North, uh, having played the same number of games as Bell's on 10 points too, and Rovers uh, with a game in hand uh, on nine. Yeah, we should see how Bell's get on at St Martin's this Saturday tea time um, when they go up there. That should be an in- intriguing battle. Um, of course, Bell's won't have Charlton Govan in that game. And I think that's the area where Bell's are possibly going to be um, shown up, shall we say, in the title race this year. They need to sort out that, that, that forward line of theirs because it's not quite what it could be. They will have Mark McGrath back from suspension. And Wayne Bishop, I gather, is getting closer to to fitness. But I think for them to make a mount, make a sustained challenge, they really need um, Mark McGrath and Bishop and lots of Stu Roussel, etc., to stay fit and um, knock in a few goals. Great stuff, Rob. Well, let's leave the Premier League stuff there. Coming up next, we'll hear about a big fundraising effort from the men in the middle. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Show. If you haven't already, do hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast to get every episode delivered straight to you every Monday. Uh, now, the island's officials uh, generally uh, don't want to draw too much attention to themselves uh, on match days, uh, but that is set to change at the end of the month at least for one week only. Uh, They'll be donning some special bright green shirts and a week of fundraising uh, for three local charities. Uh, Earlier on, me and Rob spoke to the president of the Guernsey Society of Football Referees, Tony Sarr, and fellow official Neil Elmy. Thanks for coming in, chaps. Very good to see you. I gather you're both uh, injured at the moment, so we can't start by talking about the weekend action. No, hopefully uh, another week and I'll I'll be sort of back actually uh, out there because there's nothing more frustrating than a Saturday afternoon not being able to get out on the pitch. You've just got to sort of watch... Um, but then again, you're supporting the other officials as well. Yeah, well, yeah, probably a good weekend to miss with the heavy rain on Saturday. I think, Rob, you probably took a bit of a soaking at KG5. No, I managed to stay in the dry, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I managed to go under the old cricket pavilion and a bit of sympathy for the, t- the officials out there. Jeff Ozier was in the middle, as he has been for so many years, and um, it absolutely lashed it down. But um, they got through it. Well, guys, thanks for coming in. As I say, you're in to talk about your charity effort um, over the next few weeks. So, yeah, I mean, Tony, first of all, just explain um, the body that you kind of uh, are representing here today and, and how it sort of feeds into what you're doing. Well, we're sort of representing yeah, the Guernsey Society of Football sort of Referees. Um, the majority of the referees on the island are sort of members. Uh, it was dormant for probably 10, 12 years, which we sort of resurrected it two years ago. Um, and we try and have sort of meetings about every sort of six weeks. I mean, all sort of referees are able to join if they wish. Um, one of our members sort of last year managed to get some uh, sponsorship for three years from Manor Farm Foods, which we're very grateful for you know, their donation that we've been able to buy shirts and tracksuit tops to wear 
obviously to the games and we can wear them to actually warm up as well unfortunately sort of grassroots football you can't use the shirts or anything like that um, to wear during games because of the advertising but I say we're very grateful for for them for you know they're supporting us yeah and for you guys how important is it to have that kind of uh, sort of united front and have the support you know, sort of officially come together with that um, backing, as you say, it was dormant for a number of years. So to have that back, has it made a real difference to the kind of cohesion of referees in the island? Um, well, I, I, th- I think it has um, because, you know, obviously uh, there's more discussion about sort of the games, decisions and everything like that. And we're only human. You know, we do make mistakes as well, but far less than what the players do, I believe. <laughs> and Neil, tell Ooh. us... A- <laughs> <laughs> That's a controversial call there, Tony. It's an honest one, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Neil, tell us about the, the charity effort then and, and the fundraising that you guys are going to be doing. Yeah, so as, as a society, we decided that we wanted to up our profile and help people and go to some charities and perhaps support them. So the idea was born before COVID and it's taken this long to get it into place. So uh, first of all, we couldn't get our shirts because Nike, the supplier, was uh, struggling with them. So we had to change our shirts, blah, blah, blah. So the charities were looking to support our cancer, which the referees can choose each year. So this year we're doing prostate cancer. Next year it may go to somewhere else that might be relevant to, to one of the referees. And then dementia and motor neurone, which obviously relates to football, you know, through the years sort of thing. Uh, we were lucky we managed to uh, get the support of three sponsors, Spirit, uh, James Gavay Architecture and Infinity Group. And they're all supporting us as our main sponsors. And then we have some smaller donations from uh, people that will be on the collection boxes. The aim is for it to go on from the 23rd of October to the 31st of October, just that one week period uh, where the GFA have kindly supported us uh, by getting us the shirts and we'll be all wearing brightly coloured shirts. Yeah, fantastic. Not too bright coloured, I hope. Uh, lime green. Lime green, whoa. Yeah, well, not lime green, but... It's, like mint, not mint, mint it's green. a mint green, I'd yeah. say, yeah. Mint green with uh, the... Very sp- snazzy, Tony, very snazzy. With the sponsors on the front and the ch- charities on the back. Um, we're only allowed to wear them for this one week. There may be odd occasions that we're asked to referee that we might have the support that we're allowed to bring them out again. And the aim is that all the referees involved will donate their match fees for the week to the charities. And we're going around all the clubs and asking all the players to put a donation in uh, at, you know, at their club so we can collect the money at the end of it. So just raising a little bit of money for the charities. Yeah, brilliant. And obviously a really good visual way to, to kind of let people know what you're doing as well, because you're going to stand out... <laughs> Pretty strongly, I think, and uh, yeah, under the gloom of uh, late October. Well, well done, guys. Um, in the more general um, side of things, the refereeing, how do you think refereeing is in Guernsey, Tony? You've been around for a long time, so you've, you've seen, well, basically half a century's worth of officiating from being a young, young youth player at Sylvans and then obviously going, jumping into the actual refereeing world. I mean, I, I, I think, obviously, uh, you know, there's various levels of sort of refereeing. Some referees don't want to move up to the next step. 
and others sort of do. I mean, we're, we are limited as to, obviously, the sides that sort of we can do. Occasionally, we might get the opportunity to, uh, to leave the island. And this is something as well that the society are hoping to help with, at least, you know, for, you know, having exchanges with Jersey and possibly getting some of, of our referees over to the UK, if that permits. And, you know, we will try and support them in some way um, going going forward. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, so referees have to basically look, listen and learn. And I think if you can do that, and some, some referees will take on board some advice and others won't. But no matter how good we think we are, there is always something we can learn even from having one of our better games. In terms of um, be- player behaviour, etc., I mean, are you sort of quite satisfied with the way things are these days? I mean, um, do you think it's got worse, got better over the years? Um, I think last season, yeah, with bringing the Simbin in, it helped a little bit. I mean, unfortunately, because we know all the players that are sort of playing, you get to know the players that are likely uh, to be disrespectful, if you like. Um, some players, it's when they get out on the pitch that they seem to change their mentality. Um, but I think on the whole, we, we are lucky over here that we don't get abuse like you do especially like in the UK so or even Jersey Jersey, yeah I know Jersey had an issue with officials or whatever because of the uh, you know sort of abuse that they took Um, but we'd like to think you know that we can come off the pitch or whatever we can talk to the players or whatever without sort of them giving us sort of abuse and on the whole I think it's it it has improved but some of that obviously with the changes to the laws as well. Yeah, the laws have changed, which make it pretty hard now as a lesser experienced referee because in the olden days you could put in a tackle and that'll be fine. You put three or four, perhaps even five before you get booked. These days you can get booked on the first sort of tackle. The the laws have changed and it makes it harder for referees sometimes to sometimes see that the person slipped or the person meant to do it sort of thing. But you're sometimes not given the opportunity to use your discretion too often. But also as a group of society, when we have our meetings, we, we'll bring up one or two rules or one or two decisions, not to reprimand the referee, but to discuss it and have other people's points of view. So often it's normally on a Premier League game where, I don't know, let's say somebody dived or was pushed at full speed. Let's say somebody like Grealish, that seems to be always on the floor sort of thing. So we, we discuss him, we'll bring up an incident, and we'll look at it and we'll say, well, he's moving at full speed. The slightest contact is enough to knock him off balance, but it isn't enough to be a free kick. And so we'll, we'll go around the room and put our points of view across. And... We won't necessarily all agree, but at least we've had a decision and we can respect other people's point of view. And you're always going to have that interpretation on rules in a game of football or any sport. Yeah, I can see you're hamstrung by the rule book um, as such. But I mean, one of the big bugbears I've had for the last few years, and I know I've discussed it with a few of the referees, is the use of um, bad language by players in terms of unprovoked bad language. 
players, whether it might be a goalkeeper or a fullback, delivering a bad pass. It seems to be now okay for them to scream at the top of their voice using words which I, you know, for which would be mothers and children and that you wouldn't want your kids hearing but it's allowed it's allowed to they're allowed to get away with it now i'm told that's because they're not directing it as at individuals is that is that right i think at the end of the day you know you go back to the premier league and you see some of the top professionals screaming down the cameras and you see the youngsters um I don't, I won't agree, I'll sit on the fence here. Um, it, the law state in the opinion of the referee. It isn't nice to hear, um, and I get where you're coming from, but when you're actually out there in the middle of the park, although some might question so that, you do not always hear what is said. Plus as well is you hear it, but you don't know which player has actually said it, so it's difficult to take action in that case. Yeah, I, I've got some sympathy for you, Tony, and I'm sure that is the case on on some occasions. You, you can't hear who it is, but there are plainly occasions where there are some players who are doing it all the time. And why can't we just have a quiet word in their ear before the game or even early in the game, say, Oi, shut it, or I'll take action? Because it's not good. You you know, you sort of say, sort of quiet, sort of, yeah, that is one thing, you know, that people still, you know, sort of there, they're watching games and they turn around and say, oh, the referee hasn't even spoken to him. Now, one thing that I have always sort of done from when I first started refereeing is a quiet word over their shoulder. So I'll run past a player and I'll tell them to turn the volume down. And I think, you know, with, with in some instances, if somebody's actually screaming in your face, using sort of bad language, then I think, you know, yes, action should be taken. Um, but again, it is down to you know, the opinion. But it's all right for the public to listen to it. But not really. No. I mean, but we can go back to our day, Rob. Now, there's one person that stands to mind, Johnny Reed Valrec. Now, back in the day, there was... And I was as bad. I'm not going to say I was an angel. <laughs> and we, we, can, we all know where I'm coming from there. Every other word was a different type of language. And... It's always been around in sport. The problem is, you're right, when you're standing on the side, you're actually watching the game and you're hearing everything from a relaxed point of view. As a referee, you're sort of like heightened, you're involved in the game and you can't hear sometimes what's said. Now, I could be looking in one direction and something could be said behind me. And on a small island, we might get to hear accents or tones of voice. And you generally know who it might have been, but you're not 100% sure, so you can't deal with it. But we are human and we do make mistakes. Um, but last year, there was, uh, in the season of 2020 to 2021, 92 sin bins were given out of 732 Cautions. So the sin bins are directly related to a, a person continually going on at the referee and therefore questioning these decisions. So that's about 12-15% of all cautions last year were down to that. And then nine players were sent off for offensive, insulting, abusive language, which are the specific words that you're meant to use on, on the, from a... a 
rule point of view out of 48 players. So that's pretty close to 45% of players that were sent off in Guernsey was down to foul and abusive language. Now that is, again, normally directed at a person, e.g. the referee. It is hard sometimes to get that general consensus of the the language that's not aimed at anyone. And like you say, a lot of it is players where they've made a misplaced pass and they're frustrated with themselves. And I think it is the sporting person. It doesn't matter what level you're at, whether you're an older gentleman just seeing out your days or if you're a young up-and-coming person. We see it in society often. It's not great. i got to say that. It's not great. But it's unfortunately part of life. And, and you're right, we do need to keep an eye on it and try and calm it down a bit. I, I mean, I think you can only applaud the way you've sort of stamped out and sort of talking back to referees and foul and abusive language and obviously the figures are there to prove it. It's just, as I say, I don't see why um, the sport in general, this is not just locally, this is in, 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 in nationally as well, but we do see it here, why we can't clamp, clamp down, or the sport refuses to clamp down on, as I say, needless foul and abusive language, which is heard by everybody. And, and I, 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 I can't get my head around why we, we can't just stamp it out. It is a discussion we've had on quite a few occasions. And I mean, you know, without sort of, you know, mentioning sort of any names, obviously we have quite a few. Um... And to be honest, there aren't many people who are doing this, but... Um, and I can think, but I can think of a couple of culprits who uh, do it every single game. And I just think, why is he allowed to do, get away with it? Cannot really, you know, <laughs> sort of answer that. To be truthful, I mean, you know, we, we do we do have quite a few referees that are still playing, and I mean, one or two of those players, I mean, you know, I've had conversations um, about their language when they're playing, and you know, sort of again, and we've sort of said, you know, to the referee or whatever, well, did you hear so and so? And said, "Well, yeah, told you know, told him again to turn the volume down." And yes, it it is it is frustrating, and it's a case of um, the only way to deal with it. Yes, is is clamping down. But then again, so many people use that bad language, as you call it, uh, in frustration. It it is a difficult one. Um, it's not something that. Uh, we just totally ignore if that's what you think we do because you know we obviously try and apply the laws of the game as best as we can um, bad language hopefully people listening to this might think about their language that they use actually on the pitch and if that's you know we 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 cut out some of it I think that's the way forward. I, I don't want to yeah, make this a sort of moaning shop and a you know, vehicle for bugbears, but my, my, <laughs> the thing that really winds me up when I'm playing football and I'm yet to reach the heady heights of the Prio League um, yeah, down in, uh, in Railway 2, but is, is players constantly appealing for foul throws. And any time there's a throw in, players will shout, foul throw! That drives you mad. And also players 
appealing for when it is clearly you know 99% of the people on the pitch will see a ball is ricocheted off someone and they'll claim it's my ball or that you know it'll always be the appeal go in and I know you'll say that's you know some people no, say well, I that's think it's awful play. but I think that's as bad you know that's as bad as diving it's it's trying to deceive the referee um, and I think it should be punished by a booking but there we go <laughs> now listen before <laughs> thanks for Tony for and Neil for explaining their views on this thing I mean it's as I say it's a particular bugbear of mine but I mean um, I do think Guernsey referees doing a really good job at the moment to be honest and I think it's good to see as well the better referees attending a referee the better games which is and, and the more important games which I think is also an important thing so well done to them for that um well we've got you guys here and I just wanted you know you I say you've both been around quite a while I mean have there any sort of referees you in the past you've looked up to and thought you know I've taken tried to t- get little bits of their style and their way their attitude the refereeing games and, and, and learn from that I think as I sort of said to you before and I you know had a little bit of time to think about that sort of you know from from sort of your email um it is sort of so long ago now unfortunately since I started to you know sort of refereeing um I think obviously the biggest influence on me refereeing was my father-in-law and from playing and refereeing for quite a number of years as well. Um, that's Bill Delamere, by the way. That's right, yeah. Little Bill, as most people used to know him. Um, you know, he he was heavily involved with, uh, with football for playing, I believe, till he was about 42. And he sort of refereed still up, I think, to the age of about 65. He was the referee's appointment sort of secretary for a number of years. And he used to turn up to games, and if there wasn't a referee, he'd still get his whistle out so that those teams had a referee. Um, but as far as far as looking up, I mean, yeah, there were quite a few referees. I can't really remember if there's anybody that stood out in particular, because I think you know, basically, you go to games and you look at the referee, and I think you know, if you can learn one or two things from any referee, no matter what sort of level. I think that's that's a plus, and I think that's where other referees attending games or whatever as well could sort of help as well going forward. Yeah, I agree. I have two people really. One was a referee, uh, obviously a football referee, but it was a police sergeant uh, or even higher. Was Savaron. Uh He he worked with my dad. Uh, yeah, and uh, he. He had the authority with the police side of things, so I liked the way that he used his <laughs> police yeah, authority yeah. to control the game. But then on the versa side of that, Peter Davison, Jaffa. Now, he was always cheery, laughy, had a joke with the players, and he kept them under control by he sort of like banter with them. And for me personally, I like talking to them. And if I make a mistake, I say... Sorry, I made a mistake there. And, you know, we try to do the best we can. And like you hinted before, Tony, there's 22 players on that field, plus the coaches and subs on the standard of games that I referee. Um, And they're all shouting at you, asking for the ball or for a free kick. And often I don't see it their way. So, you know, that's one of those things. And for these, the referees that do the... Preo games where there could be two people watching or 50 or 100 people watching and they have all of those I was down north on Friday night and the selection of the crowd were quite vocal to the referee making sure the decision tried to go their way so 
Um, it is hard as a referee, but I looked at Jaffa was quite funny. Pete Davidson was a very good referee. Yeah, we've had some some crackers over the years. You know, people like Gelvin Seeds was stood out in my view, yeah. and people like um, Charlie Hawkins going back the old days. He was my old history teacher at the grammar oh. school as well, and then people like. I thought Tony Blondel and Mick Vodin were outstanding referees as well in their time. Well, thanks guys for coming in and having a little chat. Um, it's good to hear about you know this important side of the game, and I think you're doing a sterling job. So keep it up. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks very much, and best of luck with the uh, fundraising effort. We'll be uh, watching out for those mint green shirts. <laughs> nice one. Thank you for your time. Tony Sarr and Neil Elmy, a couple of our local officials, uh, speaking to us uh, a little bit before, Rob. Uh, good effort from them with this fundraising idea. It is indeed. Um, they look resplendent in that mint green, and it's just a shame they can't wear it the whole season. Um, it's improvement on black. I must decide. They're going to stand out for sure. Um, well, so do support uh, that cause um, later on in the month. Uh, okay, Rob, that's just about it from us, I think. Um, so- as you mentioned, uh, Saints hosting Bells uh, at the weekend. A couple of other interesting games as well. Velrake host Alderney, Rovers against Sylvans uh, and Manza against Rangers, the two sides that could have been uh, on the same team uh, just Indeed. a few months ago, yeah. it looked like. And uh, now they'll be going head-to-head at the KG5. Yeah, and of course, old Colin Fallows will, will be, uh, have divided loyalties on Saturday afternoon. Of course, he'll... He... You obviously want to keep an eye on his new Rangers charges, but well, at the same time, Guernsey FC will be in action at Foots Lane. Perhaps he can do half and eat half each. Uh, well, yeah, at least they're pretty close, so maybe he could do a quick, uh, quick run around there. Um, uh, as you say, Guernsey FC in action. Hopefully, this time next week, we'll be able to reflect on their first uh, game back after so many months hosting Sutton Comer Rovers. A two o'clock kickoff. I'm sure it'll be busy down there, um, and fingers crossed nothing gets in the way, no fuel shortages, no uh, heavy rain, uh, <laughs> any other <laughs> possible You never know, you never know. Exactly, we've seen it all. Um, okay, cheers then, Rob. Uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.